Latter-day Saint Home Educators is pleased to bring you this audio presentation recorded live during the May 2023 Youth Education Conference held in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. So my name is Kathy Malore, and you can call me Mrs. Malore if you want, or you can do as my students do and just call me a great one. Just a little easier, you know. Thank you. This is, um, for those of you who are listening on, on the recording, uh, this is Speak, Dialogue, and Persuade. And we're sorry you're not here with us because I see before me a beautiful, beautiful sea of faces of fantastic youth and some parents. So it's always fun to be in person. So... All I ask is that you don't leave when I tell you this piece of news. I'm going to start with a poem. So, it's not just any poem, though. This is the poem that's going to change your life. That you're going to say, well, before I heard the poem, you know, this was what my life was like. And after I heard the poem, I have a totally different perspective. So, I hope you enjoy it. In case you hadn't noticed, it has somehow become uncool to sound like you know what you're talking about or to believe strongly in what you're saying. Invisible question marks and parenthetical you knows have been attaching themselves to the ends of our sentences, even when those sentences are not like questions, you know? <laughs> Declarative sentences, so-called because they used to like declare things to be true, have become infected with a totally hip and tragically cool interrogative tone, you know? <laughs> like, don't think I'm uncool just because I noticed this. It's just like the word on the street it's like what I've heard. I have nothing personally invested in my own opinion, okay? I'm just inviting you to join me in my uncertainty. What has happened to our conviction? Where are the limbs out on which we once walked? Have they been like cut down with the rest of the rainforest? <laughs> or do we just have, like, nothing to say? And so actually our disarticulationness <laughs> is just a clever sort of thing to disguise the fact that we've become the most aggressively inarticulate generation to come along since, you know, a long, long time ago. <laughs> I entreat you, I implore you, I exhort you, I challenge you to speak with conviction, to say what you mean in a manner which bespeaks the determination with which you believe it. Because contrary to the wisdom of the bumper sticker. <laughs> it is not enough these days to merely question authority. You have to speak with it, too. 
Thank you. That is called Totally Like Whatever by Taylor Malley, who is quite ironically a public school teacher. So let's talk for talk about it for a minute. There's some there's some things that we could learn from it, are there not? What it what struck you in that in that piece of genius? Yes. A lot of people are kind of afraid that if they speak their minds, a lot of people are just like, mm, I'm not listening to you. And so they make it almost like just kind of very conversational and like, yeah, whatever. I mean kind of, you know. Right, so that, so that they're not... So that if somebody disagrees with them, they can just say, yeah, I'll just throw that out there or whatever. Yeah. they're not sure of what they believe. I love that. They're not sure what they believe. And they and so it's like an act almost to protect themselves from, from um, having any kind of a, a firm stance. Yes. Well, first, can we acknowledge how much you sounded like someone from our generation when you talk like that? <laughs> well, I grew up in Southern California, dude. Um, I mean, like, that's my go. surfer. <laughs> but I also think um, it's even more things change so quickly in this world, what's in, what's out. And I think as homeschoolers, we're a bit more immune to that since we don't go to school. But yeah. um, it's impossible to know what's coming the next day. So, like, things that were correct yesterday might not be today. So in order to stay with the in-group or whatever, you need to be able to, to speak in um, almost a monotone enough that you can change it <laughs> to fit whatever comes next. Okay. You know, so, so yeah, like yeah. become a chameleon sort of yeah. like I can I can be whatever very I need to be, whatever I need to be today. Yes. I'm gonna get a little closer to this to the people who comment so that the recorded audience can hear your genius. So excuse me while I invade your personal space. <laughs> um, I kind of feel like it's just part of uh, you see everybody else do. So you know if you have a best friend who you know makes weird noises or. They use all this like hip slang and stuff. Um, then you kind of want to fit in. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And one part of doing that, you feel, is how you talk. Um, so, you know, if you if you're talking really straight, then you know you could have your friend look over and be like, "Dude, are you like talking out of a hymn book?" Like, <laughs> because you're not cool enough, right? If you're talking out of a hymn book. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. um, and uh, and it adjusts so fast because. I had this English teacher, um, a lot of people from Ladder are probably just, her name was Celia Tubb. Um, I know she, her. She finally figured out what some of these like, abbreviations mean, right? Um, she, so she started using them, and, and the class kind of thought it was cool for like the first two weeks. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, she'd say something and they'd be like, that was, you know, that was so last year or something. Okay. So it's almost impossible to keep up mm -hmm. with the, the latest slang or the latest LOL <laughs> type of abbreviation. Awesome. Are there any words up here that stick out to you as either you didn't know what they meant or you... Disarticulation. Disarticulation-ness, yes. <laughs> so disarticulation means that you can't express yourself very well. You can't articulate what you're saying. And the ness he added on, obviously, because it didn't fit in the sentence the way it was written. So, anybody else? Have, 
What? Parenthetical. Parenthetical means like it's in parentheses, mm. you know. So if you look at this poem, and I encourage you to memorize it because it's worth memorizing. I'm just saying. And you uh, can totally sound like a surfer. You can totally sound like you know what you're talking about. But, you know, he has parentheses around. The, the punctuation makes it, even, makes it even better, so. Totally like whatever. You know? Yeah, Taylor Malley is the is the author. M A L I. Yeah. He, like I said, he was a school teacher. So I'm going to just tell you a quick funny story. I I did this poem in front of a you know pretty large audience one time, and I was kind of like the warm up act for the keynote speaker. You know, so the big speaker was coming after me. And he got up, and out of the first sentence out of his mouth, he threw in, you know, a, well, you know, like, whatever, and the, and the audience just started cracking up. And I felt terrible, because, <laughs> like, I, it was like I'd set him up, you know, but of course, I didn't know he was going to do that. Anyway, it was pretty funny, and also completely humiliating, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, do you know anybody who talks like the guy in the poem? I always think of it as a guy because a guy wrote it, but... I talk like that sometimes. Okay, I think we all do. Thank you for being the first to admit it. Yeah, it's pretty easy to throw in a million likes, right? Yeah. Do you think it makes you more credible when you're when you're talking and you say like every other word or less it does right it makes it sound it makes you sound like you don't have a vocabulary maybe what about the part what about the part in the poem where where he's saying you know the most inarticulate generation coming along since you know a long long time ago does he know that? Does he know his history? He can't identify what it is that he's trying to say. So what we what we say matters, you know. So you have a message to share with the world, and I've spent a good 15, 20 years of my life working with people your age and helping you to to really believe that. It's hard when you're, when you're young to imagine, you know, that you're the one in the front of the room or that you're the one who's, who's having influence. But what you're doing right now in your life is what prepares you for the day when you know what your message is. When you know a, you know, you know a truth that's going to change everything for everybody. Did you have a question? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Totally like whatever. Okay. That's right. I remember now. It's just like what it's what the poem sounds like. The title is perfect. I, I never give it at the beginning because it's like too much of a giveaway. So, what we're going to talk about today is your voice and your ability to be persuasive, and your ability to impact people with your words. Okay, and your voice has two different parts. The first part is what you have to say. So nobody can give that to you. You have to get an education, right? You have to have life experiences. You have to think about things and make connections in order to have something to say, right? 
Nobody can wrap it up in a box, give it to you under the Christmas tree and say, guess what? Here's all the amazing things that there are to say in the world. You have to actually hit the books. You have to do the thinking. You have to have to grow in your own, in your own education. And the other half of your voice is how you present yourself. Are you able to be articulate? Are you able to be persuasive? Can you be confident when you stand up in front of a group of people or when you're in a group of people and needing to stand up for something that you know to be true, right? You need to stand up for, um, for whatever it is that you believe in. That's the other half of your voice. Can I ask by a show of hands who loves public speaking? So we've got a couple. That is awesome. Can I see also by a show of hands people who would rather die? Okay. Thank you for being honest. It's not always easy to, to admit these things. And, you know, I've coached, I, I estimate a thousand people in public speaking. I've seen everything. Actually, I'll tell you one story. I had a girl come to a seminar, a public speaking seminar called Unleashing Your Voice, and she couldn't even come in the room. She was so petrified that she, there, was a, there was a door with, with windows. She sat outside the door and watched through the window. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is awful. I felt terrible for her. All her friends are, you know, in the room, doing the thing, giving the speech. And she was watching through the window and just petrified. And then we had a lunch break. And in the afternoon, I'm, I was teaching debate. And she came in. I thought, okay, I'm not going to... I'm not going to ask her to do anything because I didn't want to complete. I didn't want to send her to the hospital. You know what I'm saying? Like it was bad. It was really bad. And so I thought I'm just going to, you know, treat her like everybody else, and I'm just going to do the thing. And I was teaching it, and she said, "I I want to do it. I want to be in the debate." And I was like, "Okay, you want to be in the debate? That's fantastic." And she got up and was like a lion. She fought for her side of the debate like it really, really mattered. And I was just blown away that she'd gone from outside the door to, you know, wow, really blowing us away in here. And I talked to her mother afterwards and I said, you know, I feel like I need to refund your money because, you know, she missed the first half of the day and she's like, no, no. And I said, well, when I do another seminar in this area, have her come and I, I won't charge you because I want her to experience the first part. She's got some serious potential, right? And she came back and did it two more times and was just, just became a public speaker. So that was like the most dramatic experience that, I, that I've ever had. And uh, it, was, it was pretty amazing. So you have to work at this second part. Nobody expects you to wake up tomorrow morning and be able to play the piano 
or let's say the cello if you play the piano, right? Nobody expects you to be able to just do that and know how it's done. Same thing with public speaking, it's a skill and you have to do it, you know? You have to do it in order to, in order to get, uh, get better. And the f first piece of advice right off the, off the bat is from Jordan B. Peterson. If you haven't read his book, 12 Rules for Life, read the book, 12 Rules for Life. But his first, his first advice is to stand up straight with your shoulders back. And you know when you do that, you actually feel more confident and your body produces serotonin and it makes you more successful. It's so simple that it's hard to believe that it's true. The lobster is because he explains the biology of it with a lobster. Read the book, you'll be in the, in the lobster club and you'll, and you'll know, it's so fantastic. And I'm going to talk to you about a way to remember how to make a persuasive argument. Okay, so let's say you're in a discussion about an issue that really matters to you and you want to be able to articulate yourself in a way that is persuasive. This is a way to remember the components of how you do that. Okay, so the acronym is PROPER. The PROP stands for proposition which is like a statement as opposed to like a proposal when somebody gets down on one knee and asks you to marry them, right? So this is, this is a, a statement. You can think of it as an opinion. So you're talking to somebody about an issue and you have an opinion and if you just, if you just offer that proposition, it's not persuasive because you're missing the other components. And that's the most common thing I see in debate is people just proposition, proposition, proposition without these other two components. So the second component is an explanation. So why is your statement, why is your opinion relevant to the question at hand? So if the question at hand was, you know, should I go to LDSHE next year? Everybody's like, yeah. yeah. Then if I say, yeah, you should, that's a, that's a statement. But an explanation is going to make it more powerful, right? If I say, we had such a life-changing experience this year that uh, next year will grow even more, right? A representation is any kind of evidence that you show. It could be a story. It could be, you know, statistical evidence, scientific proof, uh, historical evidence, anything that you're showing that your proposition is the right one, is the right side. So we're going to get all super practical here and, and see what this would look like when you wanted to borrow the car from your parents, okay? So your, your uh, proposition in this case is, I need the car Saturday night. And if you just say that, your parents might be like, that's nice, it's my car, you know? Okay, but my, my uh, explanation is, because I'm taking three friends to the concert. And the proof I'm showing is that it's my, it's my turn to drive, you know, meaning that the other friends have already driven, right? It's my turn to drive and I washed and vacuumed out the car today. 
So in this example, which is just a, a common everyday conversation, A, you're going to be more likely to get the car when you say this, and B, you're going to show the responsibility of a user of the car, and your parents are going to be more likely to agree with you, right? So I had somebody in the last session of this uh, tell, you know, ask me, well, how do you make a counter-argument? And that's a great question. I should have made a slide for it. But if you want to counter an argument, you have to, well, you want to acknowledge the thing about their argument that you agree with, if there is anything about their, their argument that you agree with, and then do the same thing, but include why your, your side of the argument is better. Does that make sense? So you want to do these same things showing why, why your opinion or your proposition is the one that should be you know, better or, or the one that wins or, or whatever. So any questions on that? Because I'm about to take a volunteer. And I have candy. So <laughs> any questions about a proper argument? I will mention that they do not have to be in this order, okay? I could start out saying, hey mom, I washed and vacuumed the car today. I need to drive tonight, you know, and then do, you know, it's just that proper is something you can remember and er prop is a little weird, you know? So it doesn't have to be in this order. As long as you have all three of those components, you're gonna be more persuasive than if you don't, okay? So, I need a volunteer to, well, you might want to wait till I tell you what you're volunteering for. My goodness, what an enthusiastic crowd. I want somebody to convince me that I should read a particular book, okay? Yeah, you, this is great. I love seeing all these volunteers, but let me finish before I pick someone. Um, this is, is like... I have a limited number, well, so do you, but I definitely know I have a limited number of years on the earth, okay? And I can only read so many books. And so you better feel very strongly about your book because you're going to convince me to read it. Um, I'm gonna, since there's so many people who want to do it, I'm going to ask you the book. What's the book? Trust of the Emerald Sea. Okay. To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. Book of Mormon. Book of Mormon, that's awesome. <laughs> She's like, I'm winning. <laughs> Miss Born. Miss The trolley problem. The Bible. The Bible. Okay, we got some scriptorians in here. The saga of Ragnar Lodbrok. Okay, I've never even heard of that one, so you win. Come on up. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat it now because you're going to be talking, but I don't want to forget to give you a piece of candy for your brave volunteering. Okay. So. You can look at this and think about it for a second, but I want you to convince me using the components of a proposition, an explanation, and a representation. Okay? So no pressure, but everybody's waiting. Okay. And then stand, I know, I know you don't know me, but stand close enough to me that the microphone kind of picks you up, you know what I mean? Okay. You should read the saga of Ragnar Lodbrok because it helps 
you understand about the Vikings. Personally, it has helped me a lot because I'm very interested in the Viking and Vikings and it's very explanational. Awesome. Did you see how we got all three components? That's fantastic. I, I don't, don't leave yet. I'm just going to ask one, one clarifying question. Um, besides learning about the Vikings, was there anything that would, would uh, stand out to you as really, I don't know, transformational, important? Too, too much pressure, I understand. Not that I can think of right now. Okay. Well, when Probably you, when once you, I sit down. I'll say, when you think of it, come to my booth and tell me, and I'll give you another piece of candy. So. <laughs> awesome. So do you see how, yeah, another round of applause. That's fantastic. I noticed his name was Spencer, so if you don't know Spencer yet, go say hello to him after the. Hi, Spencer. Yeah, or, or say hi now. That works, too. All right. So do you see how that works? If you just say you should read this book, it leaves the other person unpersuaded, right? So we want to be more persuasive. Awesome. So we're going to talk the rest of the time about how conversation can go astray. And I'm going to hit on each one of these. I have a couple of examples, but all of them have many, many more examples. I just want to get you thinking about it. And you can always go to Google and say, what are more? You know what I'm saying? So we're going to talk. Uh, first, we're first going to hear the story of the dishwasher. Okay, This is a true story that happened in my home. My daughter was like 14-ish when this happened. And it was her job to empty the dishwasher. This is obviously a stock photo because we would not be using those gloves. Like, who does that? <laughs> Uh, but stock photos are the story of my life, so there you go. Anyway, so it was her job to empty the dishwasher, and, and I always needed it done so I could prepare the next meal, right? And she knew it was her job, and yet somehow it just didn't happen a lot of the time. Does that ever happen in your home? You have a chore, and it just didn't happen like a lot of the time when it's supposed to happen? Does that happen? Yeah. Okay, so... So it was her, her job, and I think there had been several days in a row where it had not occurred. And I'm like, child who will remain nameless, why didn't you empty the dishwasher again? You know, I was like, peeved. I was, you know, mama annoyed. And she put her hand on her hip. And she said, Mom... You know, a lot of girls my age are pregnant, and you're worried about the dishwasher. <laughs> this is a true story. Did I raise persuasive children or what? So do you know what that is? Do you know what she did to me? I mean, besides being sassy and deserve to be grounded. Sucked on your emotions so she could get her way. Okay, so there was, yeah. And I can tell you I felt some emotion. I was like, oh my gosh, she's right. What difference <laughs> does it make if the dishes are not clean or put away? You know, like, oh my, yeah. So absolutely, it was an emotional attack. Oh, you guys know a lot of stuff. You, back there, right there. She 
distracted you from the actual subject. Actually, that's right. And it's called a straw man. Yes. You knew that? Yes. Awesome. Uh, that is one place you can learn it. It's not like that author made it up. <laughs> straw, man, straw man arguments have been around a lot longer than that book, I can tell you. So it's a very common logical fallacy, and it played out in my very own kitchen, right? So I'm hoping if we talk about a couple of these, you might be able to recognize them when they happen so that you aren't blown away. So a straw man happens when somebody sets up this other argument instead of addressing the issue over here, right? So we're talking about this, and they go, but wait, what about this? And you'll see politicians do this all the time. You know, well, what are we going to do about the budget? And they're like, well, don't, do you hate children? <laughs> uh, no, I don't hate children, but what about the budget? But you, so you hate children, don't you? Right? I'm not allowed to talk about politics here, but you know, you've seen that, right? Okay, so a straw man is, is, is very effective because it diverts your attention from the real issue at hand. And if we can recognize when it's, well, first of all, if we know it, we're not going to do it ourselves, right? I don't want any of you guys going home and going, well, I didn't empty the dishwasher, but, <laughs> you know what I mean? But we can, we, if we can recognize it, then we can go, nice straw man. Thank you very much for trying to distract from the issue. What we're actually talking about is this, right? So we can call somebody on, on that particular logical fallacy. The, the next logical fallacy, oh, that's right, I wanted to, I wanted to see if there was a, it, this, uh, this volunteer has to be, calm down, okay, has to be a parent and a child who has a reoccurring argument over the same thing. Do you have a parent here? I really want a parent and a and a youth. Is there is there anybody who's got this going on? The two of you? Do you have, is there something that you argue about repeatedly? Okay. So this is not family therapy. Okay. I charge extra for that. What this is is we're gonna without emotion. We're gonna try to do this without emotion. Just for the sake of the audience, you understand what I'm saying? As a disclaimer, he loves public speaking and I'd rather die. Oh, so. okay, so he's going to win. No, I'm just wondering if we, this is totally an untried, like the last session nobody was willing to do it, so this is totally untried format for me. But I'm hoping that I can help them maybe untangle the logic in their, in their disagreement. So, can one of you in, in two or three words tell me what the topic of the disagreement is? I want to go to a steak dance, you but I'm 12, not old enough, and she won't let me go. Okay, okay. So, get, so it's your issue, right? So, why don't you use the proper argument here and, and okay. try to tell her the reasons why she should agree to it. Mom, I want to go to a steak dance so, so that I don't end up homeless because I never learned how to behave in public places. <laughs> okay, so when this very fascinating argument happens, what are some of the things that you typically say to him? Well, this is a new 
Oh, it's, it's never a new he's not one. A bra- well, he has not this excuse. This is a new excuse. Okay, <laughs> then, I, then I'm sorry. We're going to go back to him. What do you normally say to your mom? If you don't mind, like if this is <laughs> yeah. so personal that we don't want to hear oh, no. it, if we it's TMI, then yeah, we're going to just. Yeah. Mom, I really want to go to the stage. I'm more mature than just about all the other boys going. Why can't I go? Okay. Is that typical? That's typical. Okay. All right. So what do you normally say to him? I say that the rules are that it's youth turning 14 and up, and he's not turning 14 this year. He's got another year. Okay. It's the and rules of the oh. event that he's hosting. Okay. And make those rules because the typical 12-year-old boy is not ready. However, I am. It's <laughs> pretty convincing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> And my reply is that it was a rule that they set. They have to draw the line somewhere. That's where they drew it. Okay. And so how many times is this? this About an hour. M- monthly. Every monthly, time a there's steak a dance steak comes dance. up. Okay. <laughs> so if we were to kind of dissect that a little bit, what we have on the side of the, of the mom is that she's relying on the um, I guess the authority power of the organizer of the event, the church rules. We follow the rules, yeah. whether we fully understand them or not. Okay, okay. And church rules, I should say. The church rules, yeah. <laughs> so pretty soon he's going to want a date, you know? Mm-hmm. He's, I okay. mean, I could jump that gun right now, but... <laughs> <laughs> hey, girls, you, he's ready. Um, okay, okay, so we got... We have authority, um, both as the parent and as the as the you know holder upper of the church policies, and on this side we've got like some great reasoning, right? He's he's convinced. You know, I'm I'm taking you at your word that you're you are mature enough. Um, but what is your what is your reasoning for? Uh, breaking the rules, it was just that other kids, the rules apply to other well, kids, but not you. Well, but these rules are misled because if you look at it, most 12-year-old boys are not ready to go to a steak dance, and neither I nor most people at a steak dance would want them there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. However, I argue that unlike most other 12-year-old boys, that I would have been great at a steak dance and uh, that I'm mature enough to actually dance with girls and to not um, bug other people as I do it. Okay. Um, and yes. No, we're not taking questions. I'm sorry. This is complicated <laughs> enough. I mean, you can certainly talk to him afterwards and ask him to dance for all I care. But, um, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. So this is tough because... It's actually, it's actually what I'm going to talk about next, which is a circular argument, because you both have, you know, your, your reasoning, and, and there's no, like, there's no flaw in the reasoning other than that you disagree about what the foundation of the thing would be, right? So I, I'm going to recommend to you that you listen to your mom, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute, Okay. It'll be it'll be coming right up. I know you don't want to hear that, no, it's fun. but she's you know she's upholding like you know the the like she said the foundation of of what of what the dance is for and who it's for, and besides that, by the time you're 15, you'd be completely bored with dances 
He started now. Well, yes and no, because look at it. No, I'm I mean, involved. What is a, what is a state dance meant to do? It's supposed to prepare you for dating, right? Right. So you get comfortable with the opposite sex, and uh, you you know what you can say, what you can't, what to do. Um, but if you really look at the time you spend there, uh, we'll take it out on a limb here, and we'll say that the dance is two hours. We'll say that there are twenty that there's a dance every month, so that's twenty four dances. Um, so two hours times twenty four dances. That is 48 hours, 48 hours overall in one year. Okay, so we have 48, 48 hours in one year. And if it's only from, you know, 14 to 18 probably, 14 to 16. 18. 18. That gives you four years of 48 hours. What I can say is that when you're 14 and you get to actually, when your mother actually lets you go to dances, you're going to be so ready. So thank you for volunteering. Would you like candy? No, I'm good. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's tough because he's got, so, he's got some seriously sound reasoning going and then there's the rules, right? You know, so you have to, you have to, you have to give credit where credit is due. So... A circular argument. This is, a, this is exactly what's going on where, you know, she's standing on her authority as a parent. Same as this one. I told you to clean your room. Why do I have to clean my room? Is this a teenager response? Like always questioning, right? It's developmentally appropriate, just so you know. It's irritating as a parent, but you, you are questioning. You're in a state of your life where you're questioning. Because I'm the parent and I said so, that that's that's a circular argument, and here we'll we'll see a circular argument and how you can resolve it. Would that be helpful? To kind of see how that goes. Um, you need to do your schoolwork because it's important to succeed in life. Why is it important to succeed in life? Because you need to be successful to be happy. Okay, but why do I need to be happy? Because happiness is important for a good life and success will help you achieve happiness. This is not only circular, but it's also um, based on an assumption that success and happiness are linked. And you could argue that they aren't necessarily linked. There's lots of very successful people who are miserable, right? So there's more than one thing going on here. But you can fix this one. Okay, you need to do well in school because it will help you acquire the knowledge and skills you need to pursue your goals and interests in life. Okay, so the, the parent there is not just relying on this one thing. It's, you know, the parent's saying there's, there's these reasons. And then the child is still questioning, but why is it important to pursue my goals and interests? And then instead of circling back to what they already said, they're giving further reasoning. Okay? Because doing so can give you a sense of purpose and fulfillment which can contribute to your overall well-being and success. So that's a circular argument. The next fallacy is my, my all-time favorite. Oh, yeah, this, is the, this, is, this slide's for you, my son. I didn't, I didn't, you didn't have your thing on, so I don't know your name. But your prefrontal cortex is, you know, for the teens in the room, your prefrontal cortex is not completely developed. It is developing, congratulations, but it's not completely developed, okay? 
and your parents have way more life experience than you do and you know trusting them to apply that life experience is a is a great a great idea and I highly recommend it so yeah do what your parents say and at all possible all right so first before we do the logical fallacy you have to know the the meaning of a word the word dichotomy is when you separate something into two distinct groups so I have a chessboard up here as an example there's in this rendition of chess there is only black and only white pieces there's no green there's no purple there's not even gray right there's only the two so you can have that be a dichotomy now a false dichotomy is when you break something up into two distinct groups that is not actually two distinct groups so I have lots of examples up here and I have to push the button every time because I didn't know the clicker wasn't going to work. There are only two kinds of people, honest and dishonest. You hear? Yeah, it's not true because even the most honest among us are going to sometimes tell a half-truth or lie or cover, a, cover something, right? You can either be happy or successful. Capitalists don't care about environment, about the environment. Okay, so that's a false dichotomy because it's putting all capitalists into a group and a, a, applying a principle to them. Um, that may or may not be the case. You're either a heartless conservative who only cares about money or a bleeding heart liberal who wants to give everything away to everyone. You either support free speech or you're a Nazi. <laughs> there's actually there's actually a law that the longer you know like a law that the longer a conversation goes on on the internet the closer you are to somebody being called Hitler or a Nazi I'm like that is so genius all right so you can see how each of those is divisive right each of those shows um, shows that you know we're putting people in camps or we're putting ideas in camps and this results in a lot of bad stuff you know there's 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 a, a huge polarization in our country you know politically values I mean everybody's just polarizing you know to either and and false dichotomies are often the reason for them and even sometimes the most inspiring things are false dichotomies. There's a, there's a, a quote I love to use to, to show this. Um, and it's a very inspiring quote. Education is not the filling of a bucket. It's the lighting of a fire. That's like, ah, I'm going to light some fires. You know, as a, as a mentor, I, I want to light fires, right? But if I only light fire and I don't fill bucket, what happens is you get a fanatic, right? You have to do both. You have to be inspired and you also have to know some stuff. So those are, those are both um, examples of, of putting things in categories that, that don't, don't really help. So we're gonna talk briefly because I'm running out of time already about cognitive distortions and 
the thing about cognitive distortions is not only do they make mess up your thinking, but they actually mess up your life. Because if you go into a place where you're seeing the world through cognitive distortions, then you're a victim. Then you're, you know, the, there's no hope in the world, right? So emotional reasoning is one cognitive distortion. Nobody likes me. I must be a loser, right? So you feel a certain way, and so you come to a conclusion that isn't true. Catastrophizing, thinking the worst possible thing is going to be the outcome, right? So, you know, if I, if I get a low score, I'll never get into a decent college. That not only sets you up to have a negative view of this, you know, SAT test you're going to or whatever, but it also is a lie. There's multiple ways to get to a, a great college if that's your goal. Overgeneralizing is when you perceive a, a, a global pattern of negatives based on a single incident. This happens every time. This always happens to me. You know, like, it doesn't really always happen or, is, or are we just, you know, kind of catastrophizing and overgeneralizing. And mind reading is when you attribute to other people a thought about you that isn't the case or that you don't even know if it's the case. Oh, yeah, he hates me. I know he hates me. My parents think I'm lazy. You know, did they say that to you? I mean, if they said that to you, then you're not mind reading, right? But if you're just thinking that they think something about you, it's time for a conversation, not going to a place of, you know, self-defeat. So one thing about cognitive distortions is they result in, are you guys familiar with the term safe space? Where you, okay, so this is like a real thing in the world. There are people who can't even hear an idea that they don't agree with. And they are, their life is ruled by cognitive distortions and logical fallacies. They literally are not functioning as a full human being because they can't hear something that they don't agree with. Does that make sense? So like I'm saying, this is more than just how, you, how persuasive you are. It also has to do with how you live your life. If you see yourself as, as a victim, you are more than likely seeing the world through cognitive distortions. All right, and now we're going to talk about Oh, no, I, that's right. I wanted to hear if you guys have seen any emotional uh, cognitive distortions around you. Yes. Um, so somebody I know, um, she, uh, she was trying to figure out a good way to put this. Um, okay. A lot of the time when somebody will confront her and say, like, hey, I noticed that... Um, you're doing this a little bit wrong, she'll, like, think that, um, she'll do, like, mind reading, especially, like, with parents, she'll just, they'll say, hey, you're doing this wrong, and she'll be like, oh, I can't do anything right, you know, she, she thinks they're mad at her, okay. you, you can just confront her about, like, anything, and she'll think that you're mad at her, even Yeah, where she's doing a lot of emotional reasoning, catastrophizing, yeah, yeah, and it's no way to live, right? It's absolutely no way to live. Thank you for sharing. Um, I have to keep moving because we're almost out of time. 
But these are cognitive biases. Okay, I'm just going to share two of them. Again, there's many. You guys can get smarter on this if you want to. But a, a cognitive bias, one of the cognitive biases is confirmation bias. And that's where you will only learn about, store in your mind, you know, think about things that agree with your opinion. Okay? And so you automatically discount everything that disagrees with your opinion. And that's not thinking, okay? That's not learning to judge. That's not helping you to, to find truth. So, and the last one is optimism bias. This is where the kind of the opposite of some of the cognitive distortions we've been talking about, where you assume that only the good things are gonna happen to you. I have a picture of a wedding up here because 50% of people who get married end up getting divorced. That's one in two, you know, if you're not, not a big math person. So out of every two couples that get married, eventually one of them is going to divorce. And that's hard, right? But if you went to a bride and groom on their wedding day and said, do you think you're going to be one of those couples? They're going to be like, no way. We are, we are meant for each other, right? So, so the, the problem with optimism bias is when we underestimate, underprepare for, you know, like in the case of a marriage, the work it's going to take to stay married, right? The, the work that we have to do to, to make that marriage worth, worthwhile. So we could have an optimism bias about, you know, about many, many things and, uh, and not even know it. So I am going to be perfectly honest. You youth in this room are my last hope for the world. There is, there is a, a tremendous amount of, I'm going to just say untruth out there. There's, there's ideologies that will destroy you, your life, and our civilization. Right, so the importance of you understanding how to communicate, having the confidence to share your message, and standing up for truth is so, so vitally important that it makes me like stay up at night. Okay, so I'm grateful for the opportunity to share a couple things. I hope it got you thinking. I hope it actually helped instill in you a sense that you can do it, right? and that you have the capacity to get smarter, keep working on your education, and make a difference in the world because we so, so desperately need your light. Thank you for coming today. Latter-day Saint Home Educators is a nonprofit, all-volunteer organization dedicated to providing inspiration to homeschool families. We hope you enjoyed this record. If you are interested in listening to more recordings or would like to participate in a future conference, please visit our website at ldshe.org.